ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. What do you do when the fruit you've invested millions into growing, packing and marketing is no longer profitable? For a pair of fifth-generation farming brothers, the pressure was on to make the right decision to honour the work of previous generations, but also ensure the sixth had a future. Landline's Pip Courtney travelled to St George, 500 kilometres west of Brisbane in the southern inland, to meet brothers Andrew and David Moon, who, after building a large rock melon operation, have moved into onions and garlic. David Moon explains that weather was the main reason highly perishable rock melons no longer worked for their family's operation. We were always under the pump because of the weather. If we had a lot of sunshine one week, then we picked a whole lot of melons and we had to sell them that week. Now they're growing onions and garlic, which, unlike melons, can be stored for months. It helped too the family had history with onions. Dad was a fourth-generation farmer from the Lockyer Valley originally and he had experience growing onions, so we thought we'd give them a go. Fifth-generation farmers' brothers Andrew and David complement each other. Andrew does the marketing, David's boss in the paddock. Andrew is the pessimist, David the optimist. If I'm not happy with something David's doing, I'll tell him and vice versa. But we don't carry on, you know. We have a job to do, we're busy, we don't have time to argue. Their biggest onion customer is a major supermarket, but they also sell into the central markets and overseas. In the past, we've exported to uh, Thailand, Taiwan, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong. We'll go wherever the market is, basically. The Moon Brothers didn't want to talk hectares or tonnage, but they grow enough onions, red, brown and white, to keep this packing shed running all year round. The harvest lasts four months for onions and at its peak the shed's running seven days a week. Garlic is a higher value crop but it's expensive to grow so when a major customer asked them to grow it we sort of basically said no don't be stupid because we'd already trialled it and uh, we, we were pretty confident it wouldn't grow here and we stumbled on a, a variety that worked for this area. It is just a bastard to grow basically. It is not easy to grow. It, it is our hardest crop that we have ever grown by a long shot. I reckon learning to grow garlic we've lost way more than we've earned so far. The expense is due to hand weeding and hand harvesting. Garlic is handled up to 20 times before it makes it to a retail shelf. The biggest deterrent to growing at scale is the seed. If we want to grow 400 tonnes of garlic, we need roughly 40 tonnes of seed. And seed is a clove? Seed is a clove. It's a clove from last year's crop. It's our most expensive seed because we have to value it per kilo the same as we would get if we sold it. The brothers work harmoniously except when David moved into regenerative agriculture. I couldn't bloody stand that it was... I thought it was really messy, you know, like the farm looked shocking. And we had strips of this and strips of that. And, but we're starting to see the results now. My job is to deliver quality to our customers. We weren't doing that and I'm happy to say now we, now we are. This is the mess which worried Andrew five years ago. It's a multi-species, cool season cover crop. A haven for life above and in the soil. Our neighbours are interested, they have a different system of farming and, and I don't judge anyone. 
I think maybe probably some of them laugh at us. I don't know. Doesn't sound like you care much. I don't care. There are seven varieties in here. Grasses, triticale and barley were chosen for their fibrous root systems. There are two brassicas, including the huge tillage radish. Two legumes, including hairy vetch, fix nitrogen in the soil and linseeds in both spring and winter mixes. To boost soil microbes and preserve moisture, David's using an implement which is becoming more common in Australia, a crimper. By crimping the stems in several places, plants are terminated, then rolled over to create a moisture-preserving shield. Carbon levels are up, plant diseases, fertiliser and insecticide use is down, and the soil is healthier. Well, we are making a difference, a very small amount at a time, but that small amount is a large amount to a crop. And it's made farming a challenge again, it's made it fun. The Moon's sixth generation is already working on farm, and the brothers say the business will continue to change as markets, climate and the next generation dictate. We've got all bases covered. If there aren't any bases covered, we're, we're looking at them. Certainly covering all bases. That was David Moon from Moon Rocks in St George in Queensland's southern inland region. Citing the weather as the main reason, they've changed crops to grow garlic and onions. And the weather is another reason for a water crisis in central Queensland because just weeks after an official El Nino declaration, many areas of the state are already teetering on the edge of drought conditions. The landscape's dry, bushfires, as we well know, are burning and water is becoming more scarce as the days go by. But for some graziers near Rockhampton, the situation is extra frustrating. Because in that part of central Queensland, just five kilometres away, one of Australia's most reliable water sources is at their fingertips. Fraser Pierce has this report. At Chris and Chantel Booth's cattle property at Ridgelands, 30 kilometres west of Rockhampton, the boars have run dry for the first time in living memory. My husband's family's been on this property for 106 years, I think, and they've had boars all his lifetime. So my husband's 51 and he's said he's, they've never run dry. You know, they've always been low flow, but they've been consistent and good enough to supply the quantities. Most of the paddocks are now parched and dusty, and they are already trucking water in for their 270 head of cattle. But it is expensive, and Chantel says they know the time to this stock is coming. Our numbers will have to be culled, even though there's a reasonable body of feed on the property. Because of the underground water gone and the bores shut off, um, we're going to have to be looking at destocking in the in the next two months, three months. It's a frustrating situation for the couple who live just five kilometres from one of Australia's most reliable water sources, the Fitzroy River. And salvation for them and hundreds of other property owners in the wider district would be tapping into an irrigation scheme for the lower Fitzroy River area. Economic Development Manager for Advanced Rockhampton, Wade Clark, says a feasibility study into such a scheme is already underway. That would all enable sort of water for, for those people there. Yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of getting the right scale um, and getting them in the right locations. Chantel says she's confident if her property and those of her neighbours did have access to reliable water, the whole region would benefit. The region has been touted as a hotspot for potential horticulture, cropping and livestock production. We are in what was termed the Fitzroy Food Bowl, agricultural corridor. So, and and the, at the meeting we went to the other day, 
uh, they were talking about calling it the food bowl of central Queensland or something. But despite decades of lobbying by local residents, a pipeline to bring much-needed water from the Fitzroy has so far proven to be cost-prohibitive. You're looking at around about $1.5 to $2 million per kilometre when you're looking at you know, the pumps to take it out of the river, pipes in the ground and the other infrastructure as well. So that's just from a capital point of view. So if you're, if you're thinking about you know, this is a 16-kilometre network, say, for instance, you could be looking at you know, early $30 million mark in that one there. So... With, with that sort of request of, of government and also of the landholders as well to come in, uh, from a capital point of view, it really does need to stack up. The Rockhampton Regional Council hopes to increase regional revenue, create more jobs and deliver export opportunities through water projects in the area, including the jointly government-funded Rookwood Weir, which is under construction and almost complete. But without a pipeline, the extra water storage won't help Ridgeland's residents. The weir is going ahead. It is. It's nearly finished. They're talking of raising Edenban as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, that's mm-hmm. an, another ca- higher capacity. Yep. But yeah, again, there's your water. People say, say to you, what's your what 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 is your biggest problem in life? And I look at them and I go, well, it's water. And they say, well, isn't it isn't it money that's the problem? I said, no, no, it's water. If I had water, our problems would be solved.